Amen. Anybody remember what I'm talking about? Uh, I'm talking about faith builders. I'm talking about how we um, basically receive or take what Jesus has already paid for. Because a lot of us know a lot of stuff, but it seems that sometimes we struggle to receive it ourselves. And I've been talking that, about that for two or three weeks, and we had a couple of weeks uh, with guests. And but So I'm going back to that topic. So the, the verse that I'm starting from and the verse that I've based all this on is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. So you can, you can look it up, you can check me out, uh, see if what I'm talking about. Because what I, I want us to understand is that God wants every single one of us to move in the power of the kingdom. So if you're here today, he wants you to move in the power of the kingdom. And if you're not already moving in the power of the kingdom and seeing life set free, bodies healed, situations turned around, people delivered, then you need to listen really super carefully. Because I believe there's some keys that I'm going to share and have been sharing over the previous three weeks of this that help us to do that. You see, here's what I've started to discover over the last 12 months or so, is that we all know everything we need to know. If we've been around Christianity for any length of time, we all know everything we need to know. The problem is getting it to work for us. And what I've discovered is that in some ways we need to unlearn some things. We need some little mind shifts. Nobody here, I, do, I, be, I believe, do, needs a huge mind shift. I think what we need is a series of small ones. And, and, it, and it's that we need to understand, that, that we're not so far away from seeing the power of the kingdom explode from this church and go, go far abroad. I don't mean like Mongolia, I mean like in Cambridge, Ely, Littleport, everywhere, you know, out there. Wild places like Haverhill, you know. Even wilder places like Foxton, you know, crazy places. Royston, you know, all these sort of places. Because wherever we go, the goal that why Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit is that we represent Christ. And I don't mean, you need to listen to this carefully. When I say represent Christ, I don't mean that we say we're a Christian. The word represent comes from represent. Represent. So when people encounter us, when we uh, talk to people, when we bump into people, what... What, what they should be seeing and why the early church spread like wildfire is they saw people who walked like Jesus, who did the things Jesus was do, doing and said the things Jesus was saying. And so that's our, that's our job. And, and that takes place not in here. It takes place the 110 hours a week when we're not asleep and we're not at church. And that's the, that's the real key that we have to unlock. Because we... I, you know, I think the number of people I know who've prayed for revival and have been praying for revival for years, and and it seems that we endlessly we've been praying for revival. But the key is that revival takes place outside the church. It, the the gospel is a go gospel, not a come to us gospel. So we we need to take out, and to do that, we just need a few little mind shifts, and we're away. And 
can I recommend to you that what you do is you have a go? Because without having a go, you're not going to see anything. And at least if you have a go, you can try and figure out what worked and what didn't and what you need, you know, and take to, to God the questions that you have. Does all that make sense? So Ephesians 1 verse 3. This is kind of a really emphatic verse. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Say every. Every, every spiritual blessing <laughs> in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, here's the, here's the first thing I, I want to I say about that. We have been blessed in Christ. That means... It's something that has already happened. The word blessed is past tense. So it's something that has already been achieved, already happened. If you're a believer, this is true for you. There's nothing you need to do to get this as it's already happened. You have been blessed with every, say every, every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. So we need to unpack that. We need to understand what that's saying. And here's the first thing that it's talking about. Let's have a look at that word, heavenly places, because that's kind of, a, that's kind of a, a nice word, isn't it? You sort of get it on posters. In the heavenly realms, in the heavenly places, in the heavenly places. Basically, there are two realms. There is the spiritual realm and the physical realm. The physical realm is what you can see, touch, smell, hear, taste, and so on. That's the physical realm. Physical realm, if you put your hand on the chair next that you sat on, that's a physical chair. That's the physical realm. But there's also a spiritual realm. And in that spirit, that, that spiritual realm, and I do, you know, this is why we, we struggle with these things, that spiritual realm runs concurrently or concordantly with the physical. They're, they're intertwined. Although you can't necessarily see the spiritual realm, it's running there all the time. And the spirit world, the spiritual realm, is not materialized. You can't put your hand on it. There, there's the thing. And if it, if, you could, if it was materialized, it wouldn't be the spiritual world. It'd be the physical world, wouldn't it? Because you could touch it. So you've got two different things, an immaterial world and the physical world. And here's a little thing that we have in our brain. It says that the physical world is more real than the spiritual world. Now, what the Bible says is that the spiritual world is more real than the physical. And that's a little shift we need to make. We need to become more aware of the spiritual world. More aware of how it works. Because the two run concurrently, they're intertwined, what goes on in the spiritual world affects the physical. And he, here's the thing. The physical world, the Bible tells us the physical world was created from the spiritual. I mean, I'm going somewhere with this. You've got to like, just bend your minds a bit. The physical, what we have, was created out of the spiritual. The spiritual was there before the physical, and what is more, the Bible tells us, or, or God tells us, that the things that we can touch and taste and smell and things are temporary. But the spiritual is eternal. Now, 
Here's the important point. You, as a born-again believer, are just as much a spiritual being as you are a physical being. Now, if, th let me show you this. I'll, 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 do, I'll do something interesting. Let's say this chair here that I'm stood on. Yeah, here we go. Taking my life in my hands is the physical world. It, you know, I can bounce up and down on it. Yeah? But this chair here, just as real, is the spiritual world. And as a born-again believer, you straddle both realms. You are the bridge between the two. Can you see that? So you are the connecting point between the spiritual and the physical. And you can basically join the two so that the spiritual affects the physical. Does that make sense to you? Now, I know that sounds like, you know, he's gone around in circles and he's used lots of words, spiritual, physical. But the reality is you are in both realms. Because you are not only a physical being, you are a spiritual being because the spirit of Christ lives in you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.17 tells us that the, the Holy Spirit is one with our spirit. Not, not like connects to our spirit, it's one, it's interwoven. It's, uh, you know, the, we, we're told that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We straddle both realms. That means that we are the arbiters of what happens on earth. We are the only way that the spiritual can affect the physical because we are the only beings in the universe that straddle the two. So let's, so that, now we have, that's the hard bit for this morning, okay? But what we're trying to do or what we are, when we represent or represent Christ to the world, what we're doing is taking from the spiritual to the physical. And that word blessed, so the other word in that sentence is blessed. And I've already said that's past tense. It's something that you are. You can't avoid it. You don't have to use it. You don't have to do anything with it. That's told taking the grace of God in vain. You don't have to do anything with it. But it's still true. You're blessed. You might not feel blessed. You might not think you're blessed, but the truth is you are blessed. And the word blessed means this, to empower, to be successful in an endeavor. To empower, to be successful in an endeavor. It also means that you have favor upon you. But let's just go back to that first, please. To empower, to be successful in an endeavor. As you have every spiritual blessing, you are empowered to be successful in every, every endeavor that Christ has given you to walk in. Now, so the, the question then is, how do we get this to work for us? What's going wrong when we aren't seeing the same things as the disciples saw? Now, just let me clarify that. Because we are seeing a lot. We have a lot of testimonies, and I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you a few testimonies in a minute. We have a lot of testimonies. 
of, of the th great things God is doing. But then we have some things we haven't seen yet. And we know that if Jesus was in the room or the disciples in the room, we'd have seen them. So there's a, there's a bit of a gap that we need to close. And we, we've been trying to close it and we might have been getting a bit nearer, but there's still a gap there. And so what is it that needs to change so that that gap gets closed? Ultimately, what needs to change is we need to think like Jesus thinks. You go, how can I think like Jesus thinks? Well, again, we go back, we look in the mirror of God's word, and the mirror of God's word says you have the mind of Christ. Therefore, you can think like God thinks. You can think like Jesus thinks. How do you get to, to see and think like Jesus? You have your mind renewed. Now, here's what we do. How many of you have, <laughs> I guess if you've been in faith life, you've heard me talk about this hundreds of times because it's one of my favorite subjects. But how many of you have heard about having your mind renewed and getting into the word and all that stuff, sort of stuff and you, you've been trying to do it? Okay, well, that's, that's some. If you haven't been trying to do it, you need to start because there is no other way you can be changed. There is zero way you can be changed without the renewing of your mind. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So to live differently, you need to think differently. Do you get that? Good. So here's the thing. We, we, we've heard that and we've heard it preached and we've heard it taught. And we've renewed our minds to the conscious level. What I mean by that is we, we know a lot of stuff that we didn't know before. But to get the kingdom of God to operate more fully, we need to renew our minds to the subconscious level. So that we aren't having to work out, do I believe that or not, every time we pray for something that it automatically comes out of us because there is no, we don't even have to think, do I believe it? And uh, it's a bit like this, you, you know, when you know something subconsciously, it begins to come out of you automatically. Whereas when you just knew it consciously, it was hard work and it was clumsy and it was awkward and it was a bit, didn't quite work. So just think, uh, you know, I'm just, it seems like only yesterday because it was so terrifying, but it's a few years ago. Um, I used to take Matt out, our son, when he was learning to drive. And Matt being Matt, because he's very, you know, he's, he's, he's been taught by his dad to be a saver. So he, he, he wanted me to take him for some lessons before he'd had any driving lessons. And so, because that would save him some money. And I have to say it was terrifying. <laughs> But, you know, like all the stuff like that you learn about changing gears and putting your clutch in and, you know, he, he changes gear, no clutch in, and he says, <coughs> noise, and you go like, stop, stop, junction, stop! <laughs> and then he slams his brakes on. I was trying to find the brake, Dad. <laughs> and then there's all that mirror signal manoeuvre thing. We had, we, had, we had no mirror, no signal, and manoeuvre, straight out. <laughs> You know, we had all of that. And, and it's all awkward, isn't it? And it's like, you know, you, you go for the brake and you hit the accelerator. And, it, and it's all clunky. And yet, a few months later, 
you could have driven 30 miles and not even realized you'd ever, cha you'd ever changed direction or done anything. Because it's gone subconscious. It's gone subconscious by reason of use and by reason of practice. Hebrews talks about having your spiritual senses trained by reason of use. So we need to get what's conscious, as in information and things we know, to the subconscious level. And the way we get them to the subconscious level is by reason of use. We renew our minds not only with the word, by actu but actually doing the word. So we need to do something with what we're hearing to get it from the conscious level to the subconscious. And we need to keep doing it, repetition, repetition, repetition. And that sounds like something that's hard work, doesn't it? So we don't do it. But to make this gap closed, we're going to have to do it. We're going to have to move stuff from the conscious level to the subconscious belief system. Are you, so are you still with me? So here's, here's the thing. I, I've been, Charlotte and I have been kind of practicing this. And because God was talking to us about how it just needed little, little shifts. So when you want to practice something like, like we do, we go somewhere where people don't know us. Because then if you mess up, you don't have to go back. Whereas if I mess up here, you might just, you just might go and I might be here on my own next week. So, so it's, we have a practice when there's nobody there that we know. So we went up to our, our hometown, Kendall, a couple of weeks ago, as you, as you know. We were up for a wedding, so we, we invited to... I, I just wanted to go and heckle at my friend's church that he just planted, but he, he, he said he, he wasn't going to have that, and, I, and we had to minister. So we, we were ministering, and we were talking about how uh, the gospel should be both seen and heard. You know, I talked about it here a few weeks ago. And we, we asked people to come forward for prayer at the end. And there was, a, there was an older couple, uh, I guess they were in the 70s, and uh, this, this, this chap brought his wife up and, and he said, uh, oh, they, were, they were just so sweet. He said, I'd, I'd, like, I'd like for her to be able to get her hearing back in her right ear because then when I talk to her in the car, she'll be able to hear me. Because when I'm in the car, I like to talk. And I don't talk to her any other time, so I'd like her to be able to hear what I'm saying. <laughs> so he said, will you pray for it? Now, here's, here's the thing that we've been learning. Often we have a real struggle within ourselves when somebody comes to prayer. Is, and and we, often, we don't often admit it to ourselves either, which is, do I really have the faith for this prayer? Do I have the faith to see that healing? And you can get yourself in all sorts of mental messes. And sometimes you can go, yeah, I do. And sometimes you can go, I just don't, I just don't know why I don't, because I've seen this before. And, and this thing just plays out in your mind, and you, you, you're always questioning whether you've got faith. Here's the thing that it's just a tiny little mind shift that we've been working on for us which is not to think that anymore. Here's what we now ask when somebody comes, and here's what we, I was asking myself when this lady came. Do I believe that Jesus paid for this? 
Now, that might not seem huge, and to most of us, that might seem the same thing, but it's not. What goes on in your head isn't the same thing. Do I believe Jesus paid for this? Yes, the answer is always yes, isn't it? I don't have a doubt about that one. The issue before was me. But if I believe Jesus paid for this, and I can make that mind shift, then it becomes automatic. So, so I paid for this lady, and then I did what, you know, the, the sort of things you see, and, and I got her husband to, to walk further and further away from her, and, and to talk to her. And uh, he's, he sort of stood where uh, Joe is now. Give us a wave, Joe, just in case somebody isn't here. So he's about that far away. And he... And I said, right, okay, you talk to her. So he starts talking to her. And she said, see, I can't hear him at all. I can see his lips moving. I can't hear the word he's saying. And I said, well, I understand your predicament because I can't hear what he's saying either because his voice is too quiet. That's probably your problem. <laughs> so so we, we, we kind of gave up with the husband and said, just stand there. And we paid for her again. And, and then we, we walked away. And she got a hearing back just totally in her right ear. And she was just like so excited. And, and, and so I got, I said, can you talk to her again? So he did. And she goes, I still can't hear him. I said, I can't hear him at all. Just go and sit down and have a data. Just go and talk. And, and so there's a little mind shift there where, you see, for me, the question, did you, do I believe Jesus paid for this? That's a subconscious. I don't even have to think about it. Yeah, he did. Because he, he paid for everything. So I don't, I don't get in all these mental mind games, and, and it's made things easier when I pray. I don't always remember to do that, and sometimes I do get in the mind games. So we need, there's still stuff to advance, but it's made a difference. It's made a difference in what we've been seeing. There was a, a lady, uh, I, I, I don't know, she, she was quite a tall lady, wasn't she? She... She had a, a rotator cuff. Yeah, so, so she could do that with that arm. But if she tried to do it with that arm, she could get there and that was it. Like there's no mobility. And so we paid for her the same, just put hands on. And so basically told her to go walk around and start moving her arm. So she, she did. And it took her about, I guess, about 20 seconds till she was doing full windmills with this arm. And she hadn't been able to do that for about 15 years. You see... We've got to get our understanding from the conscious to the subconscious so it becomes automatic. And what we can't do is question God's word. God's word says you are already blessed. You already are empowered to be successful in those endeavors. Okay, so where, where can we go? So how, how, do, we, how do we do that? Well... Partly, and a large part of it, is how we approach God's word. How we uh, read God's word and how we then internalize it. Because reading God's word is only part of the process. Because, do you remember Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. So they give us life, but they're also, there's a spirit element to the word. So if we are connecting the spiritual realm to the physical realm, we have to connect also with that spirit element of the word. 
Don't try, this is the thing. Don't try and understand that. Jesus just said it. I don't know how words can be spirit, but they are. He said, he's basically saying this is how it works. And so when we read the word of God, that's only part of the process. And sadly, we've made it all of the process because we read the word of God, then we go off and read a commentary or a devotional or we listen to somebody talking about it. And it becomes a exercise in trying to get it to work for us. And, and the point is, it hasn't been internalized at the subconscious level. It hasn't been internalized at the spirit level. Because we've got the word element, but not the spirit element that Jesus said was there. So we need to connect it with our spirit. And that's why we don't just read the word, we meditate on it. We ask God questions about it, and then we wait for the answers. So when I'm, I'm sat in the, well, I, over the last week or so, particularly when I was in Bulgaria, I've been looking at something uh, that I'd forgot about. But when, when we went away for our elders retreat back in March, we were looking at the whole thing about tongues and prophecy and how it all works in church and what Paul was saying and all that sort of stuff. And I said, oh, I'm going to look at that. Well, I hadn't done. So I thought, oh, it, by the way, in Bulgaria, it was absolutely tipping down for two and a half days. But it was hot, so it was just like, it was like living in a steam bath for two <laughs> and a half days. And so I thought, well, you know, when I go up in the morning, I take my Bible, go for breakfast, and I, and I was working my way through this passage. And here's, here's what, what I do. I'll read a bit, and then I'll go... What's, what's, what's puzzling me about that? What questions have I got about that? What questions do I need answering? And then I'll pray, and then I'll ask God to answer those questions. And then I'll go and get my toast and my cup of coffee, and I'll sit there, and I'll wait till he answers them. Because I'm trying to connect spirit to word. And when spirit connects to the spirit element in word, that becomes revelation to you, and goes to your subconscious level. That becomes something that you have had spoken to directly into your heart. So it, it ceases to be something you've heard Mark say, or Olive say, or Roger say, or anybody else say in church, or you've read in a book somewhere, and it becomes part of you. It affects your belief system. But it's that connection of spirit to word. Are you, you, you still with me? So when that connection comes, you then need to have a go, walk it out. So I was talking to, when I was in Bulgaria, I was talking to Philip about this. So Philip's the guy we're working with in Bulgaria. And um, we were talking about, uh, you know, actually removing our own excuses. Because we have a lot of excuses. That we, that we make for ourselves. And, and I won't go into them because they're different for everybody. You know, it can be you're too busy or I just haven't time for that or, oh, well, I, want, I meant to do it but this happened or you don't know what's going on in my All sorts of stuff. And, and we've all got different stuff going on in life. You, like, you would, you would not believe, and this is just like the weirdest, you would not believe what it's like to just be getting ready to go and do rock solid in Lexworth and find a swarm of wasps come down your chimneys. I mean, like, what? how is that? But that happened to us on Thursday. So 
you know, all sorts of weird things happen in life. And, but we have to prioritize so that we have a go at things. And the thing is, when we hear things, we have to do them. And there's a, there's a challenge for us all. Because sometimes it can sound quite hard to communicate to somebody that's what you need to do. So I was talking to Philip about this, and he was, he was talking about, um, do you remember when I was out there in January, we did a, a training for Healing Day, and there was a guy who just joined the church, he was a homeless guy, <coughs> and he'd wrecked his back by sleeping on the streets <coughs> for years. And uh, as we prayed for him, all, all his vertebrae went pop, 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 pop. Do you remember me sharing that story? And, and his back was, oh. anyway, so the story continues with that guy. So he, he, he was coming to church over the following few weeks and being homeless, the stuff he needed. So people were giving him, him finances and stuff to buy food and that sort of stuff. The thing is that nobody really has very much in Bulgaria. Even though it's in the EU, it's the poorest co country in the EU. So their standard of living is very different for ours. Their average wage is 250 euros a month. And we, we get our heads around that by saying, well, it must be cheaper there. Well, no, it's not. It is a bit cheaper. Food's a bit cheaper, but everything else isn't really. They, they don't have much. And, and so they, they were looking at this guy. But then what happened is they started to think, well, he's, it came out that he'd been to churches before. And so um, Philip rang up one of these the previous churches and, and basically the story that, that Philip got was well this guy was coming along and the minute he stopped giving him money he went somewhere else and so he came in the next week and Philip said he was saying that he needed to you know he had no job he was homeless nowhere to live what was the church going to do to help him and Philip said how much money have you got on you and he said I've got 20 lev 20 lev is 10 pounds so just divide it by two 20 2011 is 10 pounds. So I've got 10 pounds. And Philip said, here's what we're going to do for you. It's the best thing we can do for you because we're a faith church and you need to learn to plug into the kingdom value. So I'm going to show you how the kingdom works. I want you to put your 20 lev in that offering basket and give it away. And I'm thinking, would I do that? <laughs> I'm thinking, oh. but that's, but what Philip said is, if you want God to help you, you've got to do it God's way. And so this guy went away. Anyway, he came back the next week and he put his 20 levy in the offering basket because he was still sleeping on the street and still didn't have a job. Put his 20 levy in and he, and he told Philip he'd done it. And two days later, he got a job working in a restaurant with accommodation provided. So he came back the next Saturday and he goes, it works. I'm, I'm really excited. It works. It works. So this, this went on for a few weeks and he was really excited. Then he stopped coming. And Philip's gone like, what's happening? So he rings him up and he says, well, why aren't you coming? I haven't seen you on a Sunday for a few weeks. And this guy said, well, I know, but you know that job that God got me, I have to work on Sundays now, so I can't get there. I want to come, but I can't get there. 
So Philip says, well, then you need to quit the job and believe God is going to give you a better one. This is a guy that's been on the streets for about 14 years. So the guy, and this is like the simplicity, that the way they think, because nobody's told them it doesn't work like this. So he goes and quits his job. And two weeks later, so it took two weeks, he's got another job in a restaurant with nicer accommodation at 70% higher wages that does not require him to work on a Saturday. <laughs> Sunday. Does it require him to work on a Sunday? You see, we do things God's way, but we actually have to do them. We have to actually do them that way. And, it, and it's kind of awkward when we say it, isn't it? We go, well, that's harsh. Took his last 20 left. No, he didn't. He opened the kingdom because the kingdom works that way. And, and I'm still going like, would I have done that, you know? And, and that's kind of, it's that sort of level where we, we need to go to see more. So let me show you something. You remember my little illustration of standing on the chairs where we straddle the spiritual and the physical. I'll just remind you, I'll stand up here. So I've got one leg in the physical, one leg in the spiritual. I'm the link between the two. I'm going to show you another way of looking at that. Let's go back to that Ephesians 1 verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, that's empowered us to be successful in every endeavor with his favor. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing, say every. In the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. Now, let's look in the mirror of God's word. Let's just have a look and, and go, what is this telling me about the reality of who I am? So where is every spiritual blessing? In the heavenly places, and where specifically in the heavenly places? In Christ Jesus, hidden in Christ. Paul says in his letter, you have been hidden with Christ in God, and he talks about all this, in Christ Jesus. And the church we were at, um, when we first came to Cambridge, we got a reputation, because that, that, I, we used to talk a lot about this, and there was a, a guy there, absolutely wonderful man who's gone to be with the Lord now, a guy called Dave Burrows. And he, he used to, he stopped calling me Mark, and he started calling me in Christ Jesus when he came up to me, <laughs> because I'd talk about it that much. I didn't fully understand it that, at that stage, but I was excited about it. And so, all spiritual blessings are where? In Christ Jesus. Yeah, so stage one, get your head around that. All spiritual blessings are in Christ Jesus. Where is Christ? You're getting ahead. Where is Christ right now? Seated in seated at the right hand of God. Where is it? In heavenly places. All spiritual blessings are in Christ Jesus, in heavenly places. Because Jesus is seated in heavenly places. Yeah, still with me? All spiritual blessings are in Christ. Where is he? He's in heavenly places. Where are you? In Christ. Where is Christ? In heavenly places. Where else is he? In you. 
Jesus also bridges the two realms. He has a foot in the physical because he's in you and a foot in the spiritual because he's seated in heavenly places. So if all spiritual blessings are in Christ and you're in him and he's in you, where are all spiritual blessings? In you. You should be like, like whooping, like all spiritual, every spiritual blessing is in you because you are hidden with Christ in heavenly places. And the, the one who has all spiritual blessings in him lives in you. You are not only in Christ, he's in you. That's called being baptized into Christ. Christ in you, you in him. That means all his spiritual blessings <coughs> you have in you because Christ is in you. Are you still with me? Now, last week we had... Actually, just take a moment, say wow to that. Wow. All spiritual blessings are in you. This is why you need to get that from your conscious level. Because you knew that to your subconscious level, where it works. Rick, last week, he talked about that prayer that Paul prays for the Ephesians further on in the letter. And he went through it in quite a lot of detail. I'm not going to do that, go through it in detail, because he did it really well. And I thought it was brilliant. I loved it. But... Right, just if you go to Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to look at verse 16. So Paul is praying for the people in the church in Ephesus. How many of you think that if Paul prayed a prayer, he expected it to be answered? Yeah? So this is the Apostle Paul praying. It's not me, it's not you. We've got the Apostle Paul, mighty man of God, praying for us. Or praying for the church in Ephesus in this case. And this is what he said. That he would grant you, that's God would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Where do you get the power from? Where do you get the empowering from? Through his spirit in your inner man. That's, that's where this stuff is, through his spirit in your inner man, in your spirit. That's where it's all locked up. And then when we go further down, so I, I could go through it, like, as I said, but I'm not going to because Rick did it. He says, uh, so that Christ will dwell in your hearts by faith, get rooted and grounded in love, know how much God loves you, know how much... His love was, is for you, and the height, length, breadth, depth, all that sort of stuff. Why? So that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You may be filled with all the fullness of God. The fullness of Christ is in you. The fullness of God is in you, but it needs to fill you. How does it fill you? When it goes from the conscious to the subconscious level. It become, you become the truth about you. And the truth about you is you're full of the Holy Spirit. But you don't operate like that because we're not, not thinking of ourselves like that. Remember a few weeks ago, and this created a lot of comment in a good way, 
when I said that God had shifted my mind from the position where I thought I have the spirit of Christ in me to actually that's who I am. I am Christ in me. And so we, we have this, this, uh, this fullness that is, is, is ready to come and fill us. And that's what Paul's praying for. Now, here's the sad thing. Because we don't immediately experience that, or we haven't immediately experienced it, we somehow reduce that down to the level of our experience. And I remember reading an absolutely amazing commentary on this, somebody I, I admire hugely called John Stott. And he's writing this uh, commentary on Ephesians, and he's telling us all these things and what Paul's praying, and he's saying the same sort of things as I've been saying this morning. And then he gets to that final point, and he says, to be filled with all the fullness of God. I find that so incomprehensible and unbelievable, I assume it can only happen in heaven. Now, that's what people read, and that's what people then think. But the truth is, Paul was praying that for the Ephesians 2,000 years ago. There's no need to be full to all the fullness of God when you're in heaven. You just are. You have a spirit. You, to be absent from the body is to be with God. This is for now. That's why, you know, Paul talks about how in the next chapter he goes on and he says, God's given apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists and pastors to the church to equip the saints for the works of ministry. And we've talked about that, the ministry of reconciling everything to Christ for the works of ministry till we all fit and meet the full stature of Christ. There's no way that apostles, prophets, teachers and, and all the rest of them are going to be equipping us in heaven. They're equipping us now to reach the full stature of Christ. That's the goal. The goal is to get the Christ in you to the Christ out of you by transformation of your thinking from the conscious to the subconscious level. Are you still with me? Good. I know these are big concepts, but they're actually little tiny mind shifts I'm trying to get to you. And it works. So how do you get what's in there out? Go with me to, if you can find it, go with me to Philemon, verse 6. The smallest, well, I'm, I'm not sure it is the smallest. I think 3 John 2 might be smaller, but it's a tiny little book. If you can't find it, and you're too embarrassed to say you can't find it, if you're on your phone, you can get it, can't you? Because you're cheating. You need, you need proper paper. Prop, godly people have proper paper. Here's, here's the thing. If you have proper paper, you can look what's around it and you can check mark out. On your phone, you can't check mark out. And you need to because this needs to be your revelation. Pardon? You can see the Greek and check me out. Well done, Roger. You go for it. But then you're not listening to me, are you? <laughs> and there's, there's a lovely little principle here that is just absolutely amazing. Philemon, verse 6, because there's only one chapter, says this. That the communication of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement 
of every good thing that is in you in Christ. That word translated communication there is a Greek word, check it out, which means to release or transfer. The release or transfer of your faith becomes effective. That means produces or works by what? The acknowledgement of every good thing that is in you in Christ. Every good thing that is in you in Christ. So how do you get it to work for you? No. You get it to work for you by acknowledging what is in you. And I've just taken away all your excuses now by telling you what is in you. <coughs> and this works if you acknowledge what is in you and who you are. You're not trying to get God to do stuff. You're not trying to believe that God will do stuff. Now listen to that, because that's a massive change in prayer. You are not trying to believe enough to get God to do stuff. And you go, oh, don't know about that. True. If you have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus and Christ is in you and you are in him, you are acknowledging it and releasing it. So when I prayed for the lady with, the, 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 with no hearing in her right ear, I am not praying, Father, I pray that you will heal this person. And I am not thinking, do I have enough faith for this? I am thinking, what is in me, and I release it. I am releasing the kingdom. I am releasing the life of Jesus. Why? Because it's in me. Every spiritual blessing is in Christ Jesus, and I am him. And therefore, when I pray, I do not ask, I command. Because I release. Command and release. Command and release. Command and release. That's why Jesus has very short prayers. Because he's commanding and releasing. Now, sometimes it's helpful to pray, as in use a lot more words, because it helps people understand why you're doing what you're doing. And it helps to connect them to God. But for us, the little mind shift is that we're commanding and releasing the things of the kingdom. And the little mind shift is that by knowing what's in us, we start to do it. We start to walk in it. And as we start to walk in it, what we, we, we will find is that we will have more consistency. I don't... I don't like the word, but basically you get a better results percentage. Why? Because you're kind of bypassing a lot of time those battles of do I believe this? Have I got faith for this? And you, you, you're also trying to, because a lot of time when you're trying to minister healing or whatever, you, you're bypassing the fact that somebody's been like that for 20 years. And then they're thinking, well, I've been paid for 50 times and nothing's happened. And 
it's kind of, how can I put it? They're red herrings. They're, they're very real, but they're not the core of what the dynamic of the way the kingdom works. We can't take away what's real. We, we can acknowledge what's real, but we don't have to be bound by those things. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Here's what faith is. Faith is the positive response to appropriate what you already have. Faith takes stuff off the table and uses it. Faith takes what's in you and uses it. Faith is the positive response to appropriate what you already have. I can't do that, it's not in my notes. <laughs> I just won't be talking. <laughs> Cheryl would like me to remind you of what we already have. We have all the promises, all the blessings, we have all things paid for by Christ. Let's go back to 2 Peter 1 verse 3, which is where we kind of started in this series, which says, um, you have been given everything you need for life and godliness. That is an emphatic statement. You have been given, oh, it's up there. Through the knowledge of him, so knowing who God is, what he's done for you, how much he loves you, who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through, that's by the instrumentality of knowledge there it is again, that acknowledging of who God is and what he's done for you, who he is in you. The acknowledging, the recognition, you have been given all you need for life and godliness. You know, so there's some weird verses that are simply very hard to get your heads around because we have been told for all the decades of our life what miserable failed Christians we are. And how useless we are at doing this Christian thing. And you can't expect God to do this for you. You can't expect God to do that for you. You can't expect this. Why? Because you're a miserable failed Christian. Because you haven't got everything perfect. Well, here's the thing. You can expect God to do it. Irrespective of you. Because Christ paid for it. Not you. And he's now deposited in you to release. So you can expect God to do it. So I just want to go back because I'm going to move on to something else next week. Same title, but something else. I want to go back to where we started after Easter. It was that miracle where... Uh, Peter and John go into the temple and they're going to pray and all that sort of stuff and they encounter the guy who's late, who's never walked, the cripple at the gate. And he cries out to them for money. He asks them for some money because that's what he does. He's a beggar. He lives on the street, no job, no place to live, 
And he asks him for some money so he can feed himself. And Peter goes up to him and says, Silver and gold, you know these verses, silver and gold have I known, but what I have I give you. What I have I give you. What do I have? Lord, you give me your hand. In the name of Jesus, walk. That's all that Peter did. I give you what I have in the name of Jesus, walk. <coughs> What's he doing? He's commanding and releasing. What does he have? He has the fullness of Christ in him. He, he uses a phraseology that makes us go, okay, well, maybe it's some mysterious name. And because he says, because when this guy um, uh, gets, you know, his ankle, ankles are healed and he starts dancing, he, he's, he's loud. He's excited and he starts shouting and creates a, a big kerfuffle, northern word, big kerfuffle. And, and he creates his kerfuffle. And what happens is that um, everybody pays attention and, and, Peter, and James end up, uh, Peter and John end up getting arrested, don't they? Which is, wasn't the likely outcome they set out to achieve on their way to the temple. Getting arrested probably wasn't on their agenda on, on a sunny Sabbath. And so they get arrested and... What, what, what it says is that, how do you, they asked this guy, how did you get healed? And he said, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. So they banned them from using Jesus' name. Like it's some sort of mystical thing. The name Jesus isn't mystical. That's not the point it's making. The point when you do something in somebody's name is you're doing it with the full force and authority of the family that you belong to. So if you're a Rothschild, you do it with the name Rothschild. It carries an authority and an influence because you're part of the family. Now, I can't go and use the name Rothschild. I can't go, well, I'm, I'm Mark Rothschild. And they go, no, you're not. Give us your passport. And it goes, Mark Bain. It's a bad spelling of Rothschild. It doesn't work, but it works for a Rothschild. It, you know, the, the same as if, I, I don't know, I, what other dynasties have we got? Carnegie's and all those, Rockefellers and all these people. And the, the dynasty families that have influence and wealth. And so if you're a member of that family, you carry that influence and wealth. Now, <laughs> it's even better than that in the kingdom, because if you're a member of God's family, you get to share equally in the whole thing. And it's always been yours. You get the whole inheritance all at once right now. And you get to share it with all the other family members. And you get to use it. And so what, what, what does it mean when they say, in Jesus' name? It says, it means I do it with the full force and authority of the family of which I am now a member. And therefore, I carry the fullness of that family in me. What? I have, I give you. Silver and gold, I haven't got. But what I do have, I give you. And what I have inside me is healing. See, when you say the name, doing it in the name, which name? Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, we've got the lot, haven't we? When we say I'm doing it in Jesus' name, we go, 
I'm doing it in Jesus' name because he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life, he's the one who provides. Out of his riches and glory, he said he'll provide for me. He's the protector, he's the victor, he's the king, he's the one. He's the one who paid for everything. He paid for healing, he paid for deliverance, he paid for freedom, he paid for life, he paid for forgiveness, he paid for wholeness. And I'm in his family. And it's all in me. So what I have... I give you now in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's stand. <coughs> now, he's, we can do this two ways. You can all pile up here and we can be here till two o'clock with me praying for you. Or you can just start to acknowledge what is already in you. And as that's what I've been talking to, we're going to start there. So I want you to put your hand... On your heart. Not because that's where Jesus is, because he's everywhere in, your, in you. But when we put our hand on the heart, it tells us something really useful. It tells us we're still alive, which is a good thing. If you can't feel the beat, we'll pray for you. Okay. So pray with me, Father. I thank you. That every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing is, hidden in Christ. is hidden in Christ. And I thank you, I thank you that, Christ is in me. that Christ is in me. And I am in him. And I am in him. So right now, Lord, right now, Lord what, I need, what I need, I acknowledge, I acknowledge that the empowerment, the empowerment and the favour is in me. To meet that need. To meet that need. I acknowledge, I acknowledge that if I need healing, if I need healing, healing is in me. Healing is in me. If I need provision, if I need provision, I acknowledge, I acknowledge that every good thing is in me. That every good thing is in me. If I need freedom, if I need freedom, I acknowledge, I acknowledge that the bondage breaking power of the anointing is in me. So the bond is breaking, power of the anointing is in me. And I believe it. And I believe it. I receive it. I receive it. And I release it now into my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's give him praise. Let's give him thanks. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.